This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our own humanity. Prospect is an interesting film. It stars Pedro Pascal and also Sophie Thatcher. And it's interesting because he seems to be lately working with younger actresses. Sophie Thatcher is C, who comes across Pedro Pascal's character kind of in an interesting way. And I spoke to her and also Z Girl, who is the co-director and co-writer of Prospect. Today we have Sophie Thatcher and also uh, her director, Z Girl, co-director actually, and he co-wrote this interesting script called Prospect. And to be technical, he's also the director of photography on this uh, movie as well. <laughs> so we're in a lot of hats. So uh, welcome yeah. both of you to Sci-Fi Talk. Thank you. Uh, it's awesome to be here. All right, mm -hmm. awesome. Sophie, what I liked what I what I liked about her is that she is kind of very much in tune to her surroundings and is uh, probably pretty brilliant and is kind of uh, you know very technically oriented. Uh, describe on uh, I guess how you found her. I guess was it through your directors or a little bit of yourself as well. I did some character analysis before um, stepping into the film, and I called the directors a couple times just to make sure her backstory was correct, because it was a lot of filling in, because it wasn't all just there provided in the script, so we had to interpret it, and I could definitely, I can definitely relate to C. She has this feeling of being out of place. And I feel like anyone my age can relate to that. And also mm -hmm. just the fact that she uses music as her escape. That is something I can heavily resonate with. Um, I think that a bunch of um, children can, and anyone that feels like an outlier in society can relate to her. And I hope that people can, it can serve as an inspiration just to help people stay strong and yeah. She was great. I mean, I just like, <clears throat> excuse me, I connected with her right away. That's great. Yeah. One of the things uh, that I like, I, I kind of call it the Star Wars theory, that every universe that is more believable, like Alien and Star Wars, is one that's lived in. So, Zeke, was that obviously something you wanted to do right off the bat when you were co-writing this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, both uh, myself and my co-writer, co-director, Chris, uh, I mean, grew up in those in those big sci-fi universes. We loved Star Wars. Uh, we loved Alien, Blade Runner. Um, you know, even even David Lynch's Dune. It's like those worlds that uh, were often so practically rendered uh, and felt so grounded and and believable to us as kids. And that's that's what we wanted to do uh, with with Prospect. Um, I mean, the challenge was was how to do that on a small indie budget. This was a very, very small movie. This is like, you know, half the budget of one lightsaber fight. Uh, so we had to kind of employ a lot of, you know, unique strategies to, to make that work, which, you know, I mean, included opening our own uh, production design shop. You know, we didn't, couldn't afford to go through any kind of traditional industry, uh, you know, fabricators, you know, we shot mostly with natural light, we designed the story around a very small uh, cast and had to keep our crew uh, very, very agile. But that, that definitely was the goal to make a, a really tangible, uh, you know, texture, a world that, you know, you could really sink, sink into. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, Sophie, what was it like? I mean, about her, another thing I liked is um, she kind of uh, was kind of writing or kind of uh, looking at a story during the course of the movie. Talk about playing that aspect of her. Yeah, um, she used writing and fan fiction as kind of a, an escape and a disconnect from her reality. And in this writing, she could go to another place where she had friends and a family both of which she lacked. She never mm-hmm. had any kind of education or a definite sense of home. So in her writing, she could find that. And I also had to learn a language. I'm actually writing down um, the prospect language. Zeke, you can talk about <laughs> it because I don't know how to go into detail. So, Sophie's the only only one who can who can write it fluently. It's actually like, it's a small detail. It's in the first like 60 seconds of the movie. But it's really impressive. Uh, this is an entirely original script, and Sophie practiced for weeks um, to to memorize it. And she just, you know, she just writes it gracefully, as if you know it's the only thing she knows how to do. Great. Now, one thing that there's a it, there's a father and daughter element, uh, and you know, her father played by uh, Jay Duplass. Um, how for both of you? What's it like to kind of establish that there is a bond between them, uh, especially in an indie world where there's not a lot of time to do that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think her relationship with Damon is really complicated. She's mm-hmm. lost any sense of a childhood and had to grow up incredibly quickly. And she begins to realize that her father has problems and drug issues. And as things get worse, he becomes more of this broken father figure to her. Um, he really shelters her from the world they live in, as their line of work is really dangerous. J.J. Duplass is a really uh, unique uh, actor in that you know he's been primarily a, a director. He you know he's he's directed a lot of a lot of notable new movies and is is very um, comfortable on a movie set and also very empathetic. Uh, mm-hmm. he, I think he really understands you know kind of what everyone's going through. So. Um, I mean, for me as a director, it was it was very unusual interacting with him. And and I'm Sophia. You probably have an opinion about this too. But like, he was so like warm and like easy to connect to that I think we all felt so, pretty bonded with him like immediately. And and I think it really helps that that father daughter dynamic. Definitely, yeah. He brought this lightheartedness to the set and was like the cool dad. <laughs> Definitely. And, and Zeke, uh, as far as the, uh, you also were director of photography and you said you use natural light. Were you, uh, as far as the color palette for the movie, were you trying to kind of keep it, I wouldn't say earth tones, but planet tones, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think like, I mean, this is, this is the big challenge with making science fiction is, uh, I mean, unless you have, I guess, Avatar's budget and you're com- committing to 100% CGI, you can't make a completely original world. Um, and then often those those CGI worlds then, you know, aren't very convincing. Uh, so we, we very much wanted to be on location, to be in a real, real environment. We, we went out to the Ho Rainforest, uh, which is on the Olympic Peninsula, a few hours outside of Seattle, which has these really extreme extreme kind of features, ferns and moss, uh, that Chris and I always felt uh, would make a great sci-fi backdrop. And yeah, and we didn't try to fight uh, the natural tones. We, we did augment it quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> it's a subtle thing, but we took a lot of blue out of the environment, which kind of mm. gives us this warm, hazy feel. And then we practically layered in 
uh, dust. This is now this is real dust that I shot like in my basement, and it kind of is given <laughs> this pink hue and is layered in over every single shot. So when you look at a, a still of prospect, it, no, it's not like you're immediately on you know some crazy fantastical thing, but but there's these slight tweaks that that I think make it feel otherworldly, while at the same time like really grounded uh, and believable. Oh, most definitely. I mean, the uh, the fauna itself was like I, I it felt like looking at an alien planet. So uh, you set the stage very nicely, actually. Um, oh, that's great. In, in, in into this piece comes another character um, who I would say probably probably smooth talks his way out of things more than he shoots his way out of things, and that's Urza, played by uh, Pablo Pascal. And I will say I had the pleasure. I'm here in New York City. And a few years ago, I actually saw him in As You Like It here at Central Park, and he was great. So uh, mm -hmm. a coup to get him. Uh, so for both of you, and really with Sophie starting first, is there? can you talk about their relationship that she has with mm -hmm. Urza, which she has with Urza? It's really, um, it's really interesting and really kind of, uh, kind of uh, centers the film for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ezra serves as kind of another broken father figure, but it's interesting because throughout the film, they develop a deeper connection than she did with Damon. And she opens up to him and tells him things that she's only ever kept to herself about like fan fiction and the whole of the world she escapes to. Of course, at first, she's suspicious and very defensive against him, rightfully so. But I think... C's determination and grit helps to keep Ezra grounded. Mm -hmm. And and uh, Zeke, as far as casting uh, for the film, besides uh, uh, Pedro, how did you uh, approach? How did you both approach that? You and your co-director and co-writer. Yeah. So I mean, our, our three big parts in the movie are are C played by Sophie and uh, Damon played by David Plas, and then and then Ezra played by Pedro Pascal. And I mean, they were all kind of a, a different process with um, uh, C's character. You know, we needed to find uh, a, a teenager who could carry our whole film, which is a huge ask. Uh, we did a very wide casting call. We had uh, tapes, audition tapes sent in from all over, um, uh, all over the world, actually, and then did a lot of uh, in-person auditions in L.A. And uh I mean, the thing we noticed right away about Sophie's resume is that uh, she hadn't been in a lot of movies, but she had done a lot of theater. She had played Anne Frank. Um, mm -hmm. for, I mean, Sophie, how many hundreds of performances? Like um, 200 running for seven Oh, my, months. that's even more than I <laughs> like, she, Yeah. Uh, so she clearly knew how to work. She clearly, uh, like, you know, I, she felt like someone that, that wasn't going to let us down uh, under, like, really, really hard working conditions. And then we got her tape, and she was just so uh, natural and also kind of had this uh, quality about her that, that didn't feel contemporary. A prospect is not, you know, meant to take place in a familiar world. We, we often talked about it almost like a period piece. And so we felt like someone mm -hmm. that could fit that. Mm -hmm. And we flew her out to Seattle and we really uh, hit it off. Um, with <clears throat> Jay Duplass, we, we sent him the, the script and he just kind of, he wanted to do something different. Um, but it was, it was funny. We, we mostly talked about uh, making movies and directing when we like uh, technically auditioned him. Um, and we just, again, really, really connected. Uh, and then with, 
with Pedro, Pedro really responded. I mean, he's someone we, we definitely wanted for the part. We had seen him in Game of Thrones, and he had yeah, that yeah. combination of charm and menace that uh, <laughs> is really unique and very hard to do. Um, and, and, and there were a lot of actors interested in the role, but we really wanted Pedro. Uh, and we sent him the script, and, and he fortunately he really responded to the language. Uh, you know, he has this vernacular, which is, um, I mean, very challenging. You you kind of have to shed, you know, a lot of your instincts around, you know, uh, English and kind of take on, um, you know, this this almost kind of like a new language in a way. Uh, he he said it was actually akin to performing Shakespeare in a lot of ways, and really drew huh. on on that theatrical background that he had. And so I think he, he was up for the challenge and um, barely, I mean, barely managed to squeeze it in. He, he flew straight from Columbia where he was filming Narcos. We were already filming a production by the first time we met him in person. And he had like a cold, but just jumped right in. And, oh, and yeah. man, he, he is talented and just, just a pleasure, pleasure to watch. I'd often uh, uh, have trouble calling cut. Cause I just kind of wanted to see what he would do. I, I think it annoyed him sometimes, but like he was, he was so surprising that uh, you just wanted to, to let the camera run. Yeah. And I also have to uh, give a shout out to Andre Royo, who plays the shady attorney on empire and had a part in the movie too. Is one of the people that they come across and that's all I'll say, but uh, you know, and yeah. for, for both of you, I just, I, I'm glad this is a very diverse universe which which makes sense. Uh, so as we travel out there, so is everybody else going to travel out there? So I appreciated that. And, um, you know, it's um, something that's been a good trend in science fiction these days. And credit, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for you, for you, both of you for uh, for doing it and also for creating that. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I think that's something that's that's hugely important. And, and, and also, like, when you're making an original world, there's, you know, no need to, like, follow, you know, kind of certain guidelines about who's in it. It's like you can really start from scratch and just kind of cast the most interesting, talented people. Uh, and that's what we did. Cool. All right. We will uh, we have more with uh, Sophie yeah. Thatcher and Z Curl on talking about this interesting film called Prospect. And we'll take a short break and be right back. My name is Gareth Edwards. I am the director of a new film called Monsters, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Talk. All right, back with Sophie Thatcher and Z Curl. Uh, you know, Sophie, I've talked to people that have worn spacesuits many years uh, on doing sci-fi shows, and they hate them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just the way it was. So, what was uh, your spacesuit experience like? Um, the spacesuit was. Um, the first time I put it on, I remember feeling this confidence and immediately felt like, see, like this was the missing part. Finally, I can like step into the character and feel natural. The helmet was pretty hard to deal with the first week because it was hard to say lines with the visor because it would keep fogging up and I felt like I couldn't breathe. So that was really difficult, but we fixed that. And then it served also just as an acting tool and it help me feel fully like the character. Mm -hmm. There's more sci-fi talk, so stick with it. Here's more sci-fi talk with Tony Tolado. And Deke, the designing of it, I, I, I did like the fact that you had to have a filter to, uh, to breathe the atmosphere there, that you just couldn't take off your helmet and walk around there. Uh, talk about the design of the suit. Yeah. Uh, so we wanted, uh, again, Prospect to sort of kind of feel like a, 
a period piece. We wanted it to feel uh, like a different world, something that was unfamiliar. And, and we also wanted it to feel very kind of worn down. Uh, our characters are, are pretty blue collar. They're not sent out there by some big military or, or corporation. They uh, probably were just kind of getting whatever, you know, used gear they could at like a pawn shop. Uh, to, to make this journey. Um, so, the, I mean, those were kind of the main tenets uh, of the design. We, we looked at a lot of spacesuits from the space race in the 60s and the 70s, both Russian and American, um, as well as, you know, the movies we loved, you know, kind of like uh, from the 80s, Alien and Blade Runner. I think using those older influences, uh, even though they're indirect references, it, it gives the audience the perception that it's, that it's kind of, you know, in a different time period. Uh, in, as opposed to us just kind of using kind of stuff that feels just, you know, futuristic. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, Chris and I were very much of, of the mind that, you know, we're not going to come up with uh, excuses for, for our actors to take their helmets off like they do in so many sci-fi movies. And I, I'm really proud that we did because, you know, it gives that sense of groundedness and that it, it makes the, the environment feel more real. But at the same time, I think uh, I owe a big thank you to Sophie and uh, Jay and Pedro for, for putting up with it because it was uh, enormously uh, uncomfortable and annoying, difficult to breathe, uh, constantly fogging up. Um, I, I don't think I will uh, uh, design this type of movie uh, again. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie, I got to give you credit because um you know, the, for your character to be believable, you, we have to believe that you've been out with prospecting with your father and, you know, on many on many journeys. And I just like the way the ease that she kind of, uh, you know, in her world of the ship. And that's really her home and how she kind mm -hmm. of, um, you know, just kind of flows through that world as if she belongs in that world. So. That must have been a bit of a challenge to make something that's essentially a new thing appear comfortable to you. Um, much of the film consists of C just reacting to her surroundings, and I didn't know how I was going to pull off all the scenes without the dialogue. Um, and I didn't know how I'd keep the audience engaged, but of course, Zeke and Chris and the crew all helped to make that part easier. And really, the there's moments of suspense, and I thought her reactions were very, uh, very believable. Uh, I mean, there was some hesitation in kind of going into danger, and we're not going to be specific. And I just thought the way you played it with that hesitation, I thought, uh, and maybe a little anxiety, I thought was very believable, uh, you know, in the scenes Thank that you were in. You know, one, of, I mean, one of the things we really talked about with this movie is that you know this isn't this isn't a superhero movie. This isn't uh, right. you know about somebody with special powers or like you know that's been secretly you know undergoing like military training their whole life and now they're being you know unleashed. It's not it's not that kind of you know genre movie that we we wanted to play this like uh, a real teenager. This is someone who mm -hmm. isn't trained for this scenario but is smart. Uh, you know, and, and is paying attention and, and makes makes some good decisions, but that that it's really there's there's nothing you know unusual about about her abilities. Uh, most definitely, special effects wise, I thought the effects uh, really fit that lived in universe kind of feel, including the uh, essentially the the mothership, if you will, where they leaved to go to the planet. 
So, Zeke, talk about the effects. Uh, it looks like you had several houses working on the film. We, we did have a few different VFX houses, though I'd say 90% of them were done uh, by, by one. I mean, it's not even a house. It's, it's my friend Ian. Um, <laughs> there, uh, and, he, and some of his friends. I mean, and really, this, this, this whole movie was a, a passion project made by people who really haven't been making feature films before, um, and that goes for the production design. And, and the majority of the VFX, and uh, Ian's very talented, and, uh, but at the same time, we, you know, we try to do as little with, with CGI as possible. The, the spaceships that you see in, in the first part of the movie are computer generated, but for every CGI mm -hmm. shot, the frame had to have a practical element, something that was shot through the camera. So for example, when you're seeing a spaceship out a window, it's through a real window. Um, and, and part of that is that we were using some pretty extreme lenses. Um, these were lenses we had custom made for the film that incorporated old uh, elements of Soviet glass, and they oh. had a special uh, rear adaptation that really stretched the bokeh, so it's like the out-of-focus mm -hmm. space of the movie was stretched, um, which is something you see in anamorphic films, but this actually goes beyond that and even distorts that out-of-focus out of space even further. And that's actually very difficult to work with uh, digitally when you're making computer-generated objects. So sure. we always try to combine it with real um, footage of some kind to uh, kind of interweave with the computer-generated stuff to make sure it all felt, you know, tactile. Because I think, you know, in some movies, particularly low-budget movies, you kind of cut to the CGI shot and you're very aware that you're now looking at the, the computer-generated shot and then you cut back and, and, and the two sort of don't, don't feel... Uh, like they're working together and we, we were very very careful to avoid that very cool sophie i have to i i do have to credit you for playing young reagan on the exorcist season one <laughs> what was that what was that experience like for you starting with tv was the best introduction to getting into feature film uh, yeah. i i started off with a couple really intense roles like i was also on chicago pd i played mm -hmm. a teenager <laughs> Yeah, that was a pretty intense experience, but I felt very confident after watching it. And just the more experience you get, just being comfortable with a camera right in front of you, that was the scariest part. And the more TV credits I gained, it, it just helped me for prospects. Yeah, I, I think there was quite a few scenes where, uh, and I, as the one operating the camera, and, and very much like, like to get in sort of a macro photography phase, I feel like there were a number of scenes, Sophie, where I was like two inches away <laughs> from, you from your face. Yeah, and it's you, a very, very experience. You were totally cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just have to get used to it. It takes some time to become accustomed to it, but then you mm -hmm. kind of just forget that the camera's there and you're sucked into this universe when you're really into the character. Well, I, I also want to ask you both about your, your opinion on something that independent film these days has really come on strong. I'd say really in the last 10 years, I've been covering more than a few movies that are independent and also covered the Tribeca Film Festival the last four years and saw some really neat stuff. Uh, so what? how do you both, um, as people that work in that, in that uh, area, how does it feel like for both of you that of uh, the opportunities that are there to tell stories and to be in stories? Well, for... 
my, I mean, speaking for myself, I mean, this was my first, you know, feature film, um, you know, so it was always kind of bound to be in, in, independent. You know, you kind of have to prove yourself in that space. Uh, and so we, you know, very much had to kind of design, uh, you know, this, this plan. And, it, you know, it took, you know, four years to, to sell uh, to a studio, um, you know, because this, this wasn't a, I think there's so many, you know, levels of independent film now. And, and there, you see a lot of films, I mean, more kind of like the Duplass Brothers style of films that literally cost nothing to make. And this film was, was higher budget than that. We had a lot of production design, a lot of on locations shooting. We needed, you know, more elements uh, of a normal crew. So we, you know, we still kind of had to make, make our, our business case. Um, and for us, that meant uh, figuring out ways to do that production design with, you know, less money than traditionally needed, ways to, you know, shoot the movie um, with less gear, less lights, uh, less infrastructure than, uh, you know, normal, normal movies have. And, you know, and a lot of these options, you know, and things that we're proposing definitely didn't exist uh, 10 years ago. Um, digital cinematography has really mm-hmm. revolutionized what you can do in a lot of the considerations. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's almost hard for me to have perspective on independent film because uh, it's, it's all I know. Um, <laughs> but, and, and, you know, and I think, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, the next projects I'm considering, some are uh, television and they're mostly people who have, who have reached out to us because they're interested in how prospect was made you know, some of the unique things we did. And so I hope we get to con- continue them even in, in the TV space, you know, shooting a TV show like an independent film. Uh, and then the film projects we're considering are also still, you know, they're bigger budget, but they're also still pretty independent. I think at this point, the idea of going and working for a studio just seems pretty unappealing. Um, mm. When, you know, the level of creative you control you can have if you just kind of keep your budget a little lower, uh, I mean, it's definitely the space, uh, you know, I want to be playing in right now. I think it's just really exciting that more people of color and different sexual orientations are being covered in film. It's just yeah. covering a wider audience. And mm-hmm. I want to continue to tell stories that touch people and help people feel not so alone. I definitely want to continue down this independent film route, just continuing with films that serve as passion projects to me. I'm sorry. Uh, what's uh, what's next for you, Sophie? I have a couple projects in the air. I've been asked that a lot, and I can never get the <laughs> answer. But we will see after this is released. Mm-hmm. And Zeke, what about you? Are you uh, planning your next project? Yeah. So we, uh, after Prospect kind of started making the rounds in L.A., we got an offer from Amazon to develop a TV show in, in very much the same way we made po- Prospect. Wow. Uh, so that is science fiction um, where where prospect is you know kind of a blend with the western genre mm-hmm. uh, there's some overlap with some kind of medieval um, uh, ideas uh, in this TV show but that's that's all I can say right now and then at the same time we're, we're you know writing another feature film um, which is actually near future science fiction set on earth um, we're kind of calling uh, it rural cyberpunk Rural oh, cool. cyberpunk, not an oxymoron. Um, it's like a little bit Fargo, a little bit Blade Runner, in, in sort mm-hmm. of a completely automated farm. Um, 
And then, yeah, we're, we're just kind of considering a lot, a lot of projects to stay employed as an independent filmmaker. You just kind of have to say yes to a whole bunch of different things and then hope that, you know, one of them uh, happens. Well, I mean, Amazon is doing uh, Amazon and Netflix. I, I was just at New York Comic Con and covered a few of the shows they're doing. And it's really just amazing how they're just kind of uh, knocking the networks on their ear, literally, and doing some innovative stuff. It's like a, another golden age of television, but technically it's not really TV, but uh, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, no, that's right. It, it's, it's very, every year the whole landscape is, seems to be shifting. So, um, we're, but we're very excited, you know, both the ways mm -hmm. that Amazon and Netflix seem to uh, conduct business and actually work with filmmakers are, are really, you know, really exciting. It feels, I mean, kind of, as I said earlier, it feels a little bit more like independent film you know, then it does feel like like working with the studio. And, and actually, this is speaking of innovative. It's going to be shown on Dust, I believe. I, I believe early November. Is that correct? So actually, it's it's getting a theatrical release. Um, okay. It's going to be in Regal Cinemas starting November second. Oh, uh, excellent. First it's going to be in uh, L.A. and New York, and then a week later, it's going to open wide to um, it's it's over a hundred theaters around the U.S. Uh, mm -hmm. November eighth and ninth. Um, and then hopefully it could even go wider if people show up and and see it. Uh, so yeah, so that so yeah, but but dust is part of that distribution effort. Uh, Gunpowder and Sky uh, is is works works with dust, and so dust is putting out kind of original content like now right now on the Facebook channel. Um, cool, you know, behind the scenes vignettes about the movie, kind of additional oh, um, factoids and stuff. So yeah, if you check out the Facebook page. On dust, there's there's a lot of cool prospect related stuff. No, they've done some great stuff. They've shown uh, George Lucas's original THX 1138, which is you know that's gold. Yeah, I mean, that's that. I mean, sure. you you probably you see what he started in independent film and what he did on that was his college project for God's sake. So it was amazing what he had to do. Which is insane. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally insane. Well, I really want to thank you both. Uh, obviously, you're very talented. And Sophie, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of you because <laughs> what, you. what you did in The Exorcist and uh, and really what you did in this movie, there's you've really added a lot of layers to her that um, that maybe another actor probably wouldn't have done. So uh, I think we're going to be seeing thank a heck you. of that a lot. That really of, means a lot. Oh, of course. And Zeke, uh, yeah, keep uh, keep at it. Uh, that. You know, I I did like the story, and and really the you 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 took the time to tell the story, and there was a story to tell. It's sci-fi, but there's a lot of drama in it too, and and some humor a little bit too. But I I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh it was a story worth telling, and what it could be like when we go off in other worlds looking for gold or whatever element. Uh, uh, although I haven't figured out exactly what they were prospecting for, but I'm not going to talk about it because I think people should see it for themselves because it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of involved. I'll say that, you know, and it uh, is. it's it is. and it's like, uh, OK, cut it there. OK, well, you know, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. And credit you again, Sophie, for doing that. You know, God knows, you know, what that stuff really was, but it was uh, it was interesting. <laughs> Well, thank you both for appearing on Sci-Fi Talk. Really appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. It was a pleasure. And thank you all for listening out there. Until next time, this is Tony Tolado. And don't forget to catch at a theater near you, Prospect. Take care.